You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. You don't necessarily plan a path, right? Sometimes that path evolves in ways that are unexpected. And a lot of people are very married to an industry or sector. And I, I really am all about the consumer. So what fascinates me is consumer mindset, consumer psychology, and all that. And of course, the consumer who buys sneakers also needs to buy shampoo. That was Amanda Reese. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. On today's episode, I sync up with Amanda Reese, Chief Marketing Officer of Living Proof. Living Proof is one of the best-selling prestige hair care brands on the beauty landscape, rooted in innovation and founded by biotech scientists and stylists. This breakthrough line of products are silicone and paraben-free. Launched in 2005, today Living Proof has over 50 unique products and has won more than 150 awards for disrupting the industry and solving the toughest problems in hair care. Amanda is an avid runner, mother of two, with a career path that is everything but traditional and very cool. It's no surprise that she is now at this pioneering and innovative company. Amanda and I talk about the science behind the hair care line Living Proof, what they are doing at this time to support COVID-19 and how they have pivoted and changed plans, returning to their roots. Amanda shares her passion for connecting with consumers and building community for brands, her non-traditional career trajectory, and her love of running. I hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do, leave us a review. It's easy. Head over to the app on your phone for Apple Podcasts, scroll through the 120 episodes, click on the five stars, all five, please. Click on write a review and tell us what you love about the podcast. Also, feel free to share your favorite episodes on your Instagram stories and tag Marnie on the Move and Marnie Salop. And of course, tag our guests and we will share your tags and posts in our feed. If you have any questions, you can always DM me or send me an email at MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com. Before we get started, I wanted to share a word about our sponsors, Mad Ritual CBD. Today's episode is fueled by Mad Ritual CBD. Mad Ritual CBD has changed my recovery game in a really big way. Get ready to recover like a rebel with these awesome, high-quality CBD-infused products. Their CBD balm is off the charts amazing. And I'm not the only one that thinks so. Mad Ritual has 100 plus five-star reviews. The balms have five simple organic ingredients, coconut oil, shea butter, olive oil, plant wax, CBD, and different blends of essential oils. Personally, I prefer the eucalyptus and peppermint. 
They also offer a terrific CBD-infused total recovery supplement. Not just for athletes, the products are formulated to ease all of the aches and pains that come along with being an active human. So, if you're sore from life, Mad Ritual gets it. Founded by women athletes and active entrepreneurs, they are committed to helping active folks bring more balance to their lives. Mad Ritual is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 15% off. Head over to their website, madritual.com, and use the code Marnie on the Move. Now, on to the episode. Tell me a little bit about Living Proof. Living Proof was established in 2005. And what's really an interesting story is that the way it was founded, it was very unique because it was a mix of biotech scientists from MIT, which is very unconventional within, you know, a hair care beauty industry. And really, because of their mindset, they didn't have any preconceived notions about what could be done within the space. So we had this group of biotech scientists, and then we also had industry-leading stylists who were just very tired of all the products and the limitations they saw within the current market. So they came together to really create living proof and really think about how they could challenge hair care norms, which was you know, a very unusual mix to start with that really allowed them to understand, you know, the biology of healthy hair and bring that together with the creative side of hair maintenance and health as well. So, you know, in order to really solve the root causes of everyone's top concerns, which are um, when it comes to hair frizz, fullness, um, shine, those kind of different variables. They analyze hundreds of competitive products that have been on the market for the past year, 30 years or so. And they found one really key nuance was that the traditional beauty industry relied very heavily on silicones. And what silicones do is they really mask your hair symptoms. They don't really solve them. So you kind of, you feel this, you know, luxurious silky feel over your hair and that's because it's covering up a lot of the problems. And so it thus perpetuates kind of the cycle of damage when it comes to the health of your hair. So that was, you know, the primary difference that started out our brand and our R&D team in-house discovers, formulates, and tests every innovation right in our very own labs in test salon. So there's a really, really robust heritage of science and development and ownership that's unique to Living Proof, which is really fun to see. As one of the best-selling prestige hair care brands on the beauty scene, you're at the forefront of the beauty scene. And as a CMO, how are you navigating and maintaining your brand community and consumers in these COVID times? Oh, it's so tough and emotional, right, for everybody right now. And, you know, for us, before all this began, one of our biggest objectives for the year was really to grow our brand connection with consumers and build community. So we were kind of heading in that direction already. And now we know that's even more important, but it's also uncharted territory. So we've really focused on asking our consumers what they want to see and shifting content to address their needs. So there's been a lot of chit chat within the marketing world and everyone has kind of a, a subjective opinion about what should or shouldn't be done and how content should be proliferating. But really the easiest thing to do is say, what do you want to see? <laughs> and so that's right. kind of been our approach to it. So we've been shifting a lot in order to address those needs 
meet those needs. So everything from, you know, tutorials for how to take care of your hair at home and Q&As to product solutions and giveaways. You know, since stores have closed, we've been working to even further develop the educational content and the community content we provide across our touch points and just really reevaluate the channels where we're communicating. But it's definitely a test and learn experience. Right. And all the usual metrics have changed. Right. And I think a lot of uh, organizations are dealing with that in terms of how they're going to measure success as they move forward. Yeah. I mean, I think you now, I mean, you have to bring your brand to life even more through digital and through community. It's good that you're asking your consumers what they want to see as opposed to just putting out content because I think an and education is key. And then just like the connection with them. Right. Is Everyone's huge. craving that right now. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's great to, exactly. to learn and get a little bit of a personality that you're, you know, whether it's your, whatever, if it's your favorite brand, like who's behind the brand, like what's the education, right. what are the exactly. products. I love that. Exactly. That's amazing that that's, that's what you're doing. What are you hearing from your consumers beyond education in terms of content that they want? It's interesting because I think people, there was this initial reaction that there's going to be this huge shift in the mindset, but Mm -hmm. I think that consumers are also creating a lot of normalcy, right? And so they do have some more time for content consumption through different channels that they might normally not explore. But when it comes to what they want to hear from brands, they really want a levity right now, right? They don't want it to all be so serious. And I think, you know, some of the messaging and market has become a little bit trite, quite frankly, and I've been trying to help the team steer away from language like that. That seems like all brands are saying, I'm not going to say the specific lines because I don't want to call anyone out necessarily, but overall consumers, they want to feel that connection and they want um, the opportunity to learn more right now, but they really also just want to be entertained and given something positive to disrupt their days. So, you know, we're very cognizant of that. I think they're also really looking for a lot more raw and real content. And that's kind of been a shift in the market as it's been. But we've found that some of our more, I would say, crudely produced content right now has been performing a lot more strongly than some of our highly produced content. Interesting. Yes. And so I think, you know, that one, a lot of great learnings for us about how we can go about doing things when certain conventional ways of modern marketing are a little bit limited right now, but also um, shifts that we might continue to see, right, in terms of um, how you can connect with consumers on that real kind of note and what they view as real. Yes. Interesting. And you just came on board in in 2019, like late 2019. So what was Mm -hmm. happening at the brand And as a chief marketing officer, I'm sure you had some, you know, you lightly touched upon some of your goals. This is sort of how you've pivoted. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, definitely. I think there's, you know, there's a little bit more, right? I joined um, in September of last year. So it's been an incredible ride. And obviously, this is a very big time right now in terms of figuring things out for brands. Um, As far as the past year has gone, it was another year of really strong double digit growth for Living Proof. And we've continued to be number one um, in terms of the prestige hair care market in North America. So our core business has been really strong and we have our kind of hero products that our consumers are obsessed with. So for example, our dry shampoo, it's the number one prestige dry shampoo um, ever since it's been launched five years ago. Consumers have been absolutely obsessed with it. And it's because it actually cleans hair as opposed to a lot of other dry shampoos on the market aren't 
really great at cleaning the hair. So we've had a lot of great innovations um, that have come this year, but some of my immediate goals upon joining were really to build the brand and awareness. And so, like I said, we know that consumers are obsessed with our products, but they haven't been as connected with our brand. So the first thing we really looked at was doing a lot of research to better understand our current and potential consumers, as opposed to taking a demographic point of view. I prefer to look at how we can connect as a brand based on their behavioral and emotional variables. And so you know, we were really excited to get back to our roots and remind consumers what makes Living Proof so innovative and different. And one of those big things we had been planning was to get much louder with our brand story and kicking off a brand campaign that highlights this silicone-free heritage and really establishes a more emotional connection. And the, the second thing I would add to that is really focusing a lot of attention on our purpose. We know that, you know, going beyond products and seeking ways to create true social impact is really, really important and challenging ourselves to kind of raise that bar. So I would say with everything that's happened, our overall goals are still the same, right? Right, But since the crisis has escalated, we've definitely been focusing more on building community and driving engaging content. And we'll also definitely will be shifting some launches due to store closure as and changing consumer needs. You know, ultimately, a lot of it has to do with getting back to the basics and, and pivoting just in terms of calendarizing information. And you come from the world of running and performance running footwear at Saucony. Yes. Tell me a little bit about your career path and background thus far. I mean, you were at Saucony, you were at Unreal Brands, you worked at Digitas. I mean, you have a great background into the world of marketing. Sure. Well, thank you. I think, you know, it's a bit untraditional, certainly. I love untraditional. (laughs) You know, I think I'm definitely an interesting case story of you don't necessarily plan a path, right? And sometimes that path evolves in ways that are unexpected. And a lot of people are very married to an industry or sector. And I I really am all about the consumer. So what fascinates me is consumer mindset, consumer psychology and all that. And of course, the consumer who buys sneakers also needs to buy shampoo, right? right. So I don't, I don't really look at things in that kind of industry silo. And when I started out my career, I actually started in management consulting. So I worked for large companies like IBM and I worked with a lot of different clients across a ton of different industries. So I had a lot of exposure um, to a breadth of both functions and sectors. And I learned that I was fascinated by marketing strategy, like I said, and consumer psychology in particular. And knowing that I wanted to grow my marketing skill set, I ended up going to business school with that transition in mind. And at the same time, it was also very clear that the digital experience would be of essentially high value. So my path after school was to join the agency side at Digitas in New York City. And I was in the strategy and analytics group there for nearly seven years. So I gained a really unparalleled depth of digital skills that I think positioned me well for what the modern market is looking for. And I, you know, I attribute so much of my learning to that period of time. And then I had a really odd turn of event, which 
surprises a lot of people. I, I moved to Panama for two years right after being at Digitas. I had not planned to leave Digitas, but I, my now husband, his own career took a turn. So I moved to Panama with him. And while there, I worked on an array of projects on my own. But when we moved back, I knew that I wanted to switch to the client side. I mean, I've always been a brand person. I like to own things from end to end and really see the results of what I'm working on. So I felt that going the startup route would really give me the opportunity to get my hands dirty and learn a lot across a business. So that's why I ended up at Unreal Candy, which was interesting to say the least. Very, very interesting experience. But again, startup mode and startup can be very challenging. It's almost as challenging as just working by yourself. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, two years in, again, I wasn't necessarily looking, but Saucony came calling and it was for me, just the perfect fit because I am a runner and I do obsess about sneakers. So it was really exciting for me. And my team there was just phenomenal. And, you know, ultimately the cultural and leadership changes there are what led me to Living Proof. And, you know, I've been really excited by marketing's role within the organization where we really co-drive the innovation process and the consumer relationship is so at the forefront of everything we do. Um, So that's kind of your long elevator speech of where I've been. I love been it. all over the place. <laughs> That's awesome. I still am. So, yeah, so, how, so you were able to transition from like the agency side to the brand side right. by going mm-hmm. through the path of going from agency to startup and then to back to the big brands. Right. Exactly. I think it was a really good kind of stepping path. And I don't know that I really saw it as that. But in retrospect, I realized that that's the way it worked out. Right. Right. Well, sometimes, like you Mm -hmm. said, like sometimes you can't really plan your path. Right. Your path kind of you can plan where you want to go. You just might not be able to plan how you're going to get there. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So have you always been a runner? Is that sort of like your go-to for fitness and staying fit? Yes. Yes. I definitely have dabbled in a whole bunch of different things, you know, throughout my life. I think that once I got out of school, running became my go-to. I and mean, there were a couple of events in my life that really kind of led me to that path of needing the run as an outlet. And I'm very lucky that I live just out of side of in a city and you know, running outside is probably one of the easier things you can do right now. So I I definitely try to get my runs in, but I also have two toddlers. So sometimes I will just sneak in an app like the sweat app or yoga glow. I really like for home workouts while they're kind of running around me going crazy inside. (laughs) So (laughs) I rely on a couple of different tactics these days. And sometimes that's just, you know, a family walk around the neighborhood to hunt for rocks and sticks and we call it a day. That's (laughs) awesome. How old are they? They're four and one. Oh, how cute. What do you take from running that you use to help you in your career? You know, I think it's definitely, it is absolutely my space of mental clarity and my emotional outlet, right? I, for me, I did get into running when my mother was very sick with cancer and it was my time where I could just you know, get out and pound out all the emotions that were stemming in my head. And it became ever since that time, really my go-to where I can feel the difference, right, on the days where I run with how my head is functioning and how I handle the things that come my way. So I just, I, I, although I wouldn't say I've had the luxury of being competitive in the last few years because I've had more of a toddler scenario at home, I think it will always, the nice thing about it is that it is a sport that you can continue until 
you can't. Right. Right. Um, there are different age parameters, as you know. So. Yes, of course. I mean, there was, I read about someone in Runner's World, a guy who was like in his 90s that's still running. Right. It's great. And then there was the New York Mile. There was a woman who was like in her late 80s that was running. I love so, it. I don't I know. I love it. seeing that. It's inspiring that I can run. Me too. Can always me run. too. I want to be that old lady who's, you know, running the track. Yeah, <laughs> but, me too. But hopefully the joints and things like that will hold up. Yeah, you well, that's know. why you can't run too much. So what distances, exactly. like, have you done any marathons or half marathons? Um, yes, or? yes. I've done a, f- a few. New York a couple of times. Boston during the year, it was 90 degrees and it was just, I may as well have crawled the whole thing. <laughs> that's <laughs> um, like, I want to be cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm I hope to get back into it one day for sure. Yeah, I'm sure you will. I mean, you know, you have toddlers and right now, probably a good opportunity to focus on other stuff. Build your strength. Right, right. You know, we're all indoors <laughs> training. So exactly, exactly. Running for me is like it's my moving Love meditation. I, but yeah, I mean, and now I'm doing that. I'm in, so, I'm indoors. Like I said, I was saying to you before, I can't go outside and run. It's hard. I've been running yes. up like Greenwich and Washington Instead mm-hmm. of on the West Side Highway because it's just crowded, but um, I I can't even imagine. I just yeah. I can't. I mean, because I am so familiar with every single street and route in New York City, it's just so strange the whole thing. What are some good lessons that you've learned like throughout your career? I'm very in tune with kind of the disparity of different people's situations and values, right? And really understanding those. And I think right now I've been trying to show that more than ever to my team as well, because I do think as a leader, it's important to communicate respect for boundaries and empathy for each situation and also to monitor the balance on people's plates. So, you know, I think some people have more time right now. Some people have a lot less and I'm trying to remind myself that my own challenges are okay. <laughs> and, and so is taking a breather to go outside and ride bikes, right. Or pick up sticks. So I, I try to communicate that really well. And I think for me having empathy, one of the things that I've really truly tried to navigate in terms of leadership throughout my career, I've seen a lot of people who think that you need to get angry to make a point. You know, I've, I've literally been asked by superiors in my past, you need, why don't you throw something? You need to throw something once in a while. And to me, that shuts people down, right? And it makes a very unproductive environment. So I think my number one rule and learning is to make people feel okay about coming to you with problems, right? And once a problem has happened, it's happened and just figure it out. And I don't believe in throwing things or throwing tantrums, right? Right. So I think, you know, I think that that's really interesting. So how are you managing working from home as someone who's used to going into an office and having a larger team that you're leading Mm -hmm. and managing on a day-to-day basis? I know it's definitely a whole new world. I think I've been trying very hard to set up for myself and communicate to others to do the same uh, kind of blackout windows, right? Because marketing does tend to be a very meeting heavy function when you are in the office. And what I found happening, and really it's, it's been difficult to kind of bring it all, bring it all back in but we're having the same kind of meeting cadence because you can imagine all the discussions on top of discussions that need to happen as things are changing, but people will be sitting 
at their kitchen table, right, for eight hours on end in meetings, as opposed to popping around meeting rooms and seeing each other face to face. There have been a lot of conversations about how to manage that better. And I'm definitely a proponent of doing so. And so for myself, I generally every day block out 9 to 10 a.m. in the morning. Now, I will tell you this morning, I had a 9 to 10.30 meeting that was scheduled and I, I answered the phone, right? But I try my best to block out that time for family breakfast, 12 to 1 for lunch, and I try to block out after 4.30 just so that meetings aren't scheduled because it is so challenging right now to manage that all within a different environment. And I would say, you know, I, the challenges that I see other people having are that you don't know as well as you would in an office how to just tap someone on the shoulder, right? And say, we need to have this talk or here's what's going on. So the information flow is a little bit more challenging right now. Yeah. And also you're not sure when someone's in a meeting or maybe they're not even present. Those kind of things are a little bit, make things more difficult. But for me, it's really about communicating and being very, very straight with what is going on in my own home and why I can't make certain things happen, right? Because family does always come first. And I've also been trying to figure out ways where to to talk about having meetings that don't have to be in front of a Zoom camera, right? Because right. so everybody is people... like obsessed with Zoom. Exactly, exactly. So I think there was this initial rush to these online platforms and a lot of people still have that expectation that everyone's sitting at their computer, seeing you face to face and all that. And quite frankly, lately, I've been taking some calls where I just walk around the block because I don't need to see my computer in order to take them, right? So I think we're all looking for what's that way to make things work better right now and encouraging teams to do the same so that they can feel good and the, the more mentally positive everybody is, the better it works for the whole team and organization. Right? Yeah, because so. I think you need to have, I think you probably need to really stick to the boundaries, right? Because right. Mm -hmm. at the workplace, you know, people pop by and wave and they're like, make signals at you or they'll say like, you know, come <laughs> right. to my office or what's going on or just hello. But it feels a lot more challenging when you're doing other things at home and someone just says hello. Right. 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 I mean, you just, <laughs> exactly. but you have to, and you can't let, you can't let your guard down for one second or people will come rushing in. Right. But it's also exactly. like really great because I'm sure you're getting a lot more done at home. Yes, I think so. I think it's, it's been a very interesting learning experience for many reasons. That's for sure. So. Yeah. Well, so what do you, when do you think, I mean, you're obviously, you know, living proof is waiting to hear back from, when mm -hmm. offices can reopen. Are there any right. things that you're like, I'm definitely bringing this lesson back to when we are in the office again and maybe things that you're like, you know what, when we were in the office, we really didn't need to do this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, excellent question. I think we're going to institute some working walk meetings <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Just getting it out of the same environment and um, always sticking to the same way. I think w one thing I've learned and a lot of people I would say on the leadership team have learned is that the teams do work really, really well, regardless of where they are. And I, for some organizations that may be a, I think it's going to be a pivotal moment where a lot of organizations and people have now had this experience of remote working and what that means. I don't know necessarily, but I do think that, you know, 
that flexibility of work environment and realizing that the right people will always get the job done regardless is a really important lesson and kind of not having those constraints. And I will say, I haven't felt this at Living Proof. I've felt it in other places where there's still that kind of FaceTime dynamic, you know, I popped by your desk at six o'clock and you weren't there. (laughs) Those things have been the kind of conventional ways of thinking have been almost upended now in that respect. I love it. I'm so excited Mm -hmm. because honestly, companies to be able to have remote working because I just think, you know, there are people will always be leaders that are leaders and that's, and they're always Mm going to do the work and they're always going to do the job if they're going to do right. the job, but right, I'm excited to see how it transitions and it'll be great for businesses because less real estate. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see how that all pairs out. I don't know, but I definitely, I, I've definitely taken stock during all this and it makes you think. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that lesson, that example works both ways, right? Like it's something you would, you know, the having to be in the office, leave behind and like, bringing back the virtual working is moving forward. Right. Right. Exactly. exactly. So how many pairs of sneakers do you have? (laughs) (laughs) A lot. (laughs) I am so jealous. (laughs) Oh, yes. I, you know, I, you definitely stock up and I, I still have pairs that are waiting to be worn. So um, on the day I will mourn the day that I don't, that's for sure. But <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time. And it was fun just talking to you and hearing someone who appreciates the struggle right now. So <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.